0: Hey, you guys can have a seat. How are we? Yeah, we doing good? Um, I had an interesting morning, and I want to tell you about it. On my way here, um, I, I unloaded some stuff when I got to church, and I had to run to the store to grab a few things, and as I'm driving down the road, I hear this hiss from the pits of hell in the back of my car. Like, I just hear... And as I'm like, oh my God, what is that? Literally, white smoke starts to fill my car, and I am terrified because there is a hissing noise and there is white smoke filling my car to the point where like I almost can't see and I remember that my dad had just given me a fire extinguisher and it's in the back of my car and something happened where it got unlocked and it just started spraying and I'm freaking out driving down the road. I felt like kind of Chris Farley just going in a movie just screaming and so I had to jerk the car and finally it stops and I roll down the windows and and all of the air is going out and Anyway, it was, it was an embarrassing moment, and so I just wanted to share it with you. I really, I felt like I was, felt like I was in a Chris Farley movie, and well, honestly, I kind of hate using like cultural references, like someone like Chris Farley, like Adam Sandler, like I, I work with student ministry here, and sometimes I'll, I'll pull out these cultural references of people I think everyone will know, and I'm like, you guys know, you know, like um, Will Ferrell, you know, and like the students are like. Who is, who is that? And I'm just like, are you serious? Like, how old am I? There was this uh, camp that I spoke at, and um, I was going to use um, a Whitney Houston song as a, um, as a example of something. And, and she had just passed away, and I was, I was thinking, I was like, man, do, do students even know who Whitney Houston is? And I was like, I should check. I should check. And so there was this table of girls eating dinner, and I walk over, and I was like, hey, guys, what's going on? And they're like, hey what's up? And I was like, hey, quick question. Do you guys know who Whitney Houston is? And there was like a look of confusion on their face. And one girl goes, oh, I do. She was a drug dealer. <laughs> and I was just like, no, you, what's happening? What's happening? So um, anyway, that uh, doesn't have anything to do with anything. But um, okay, question. This is a moment of truth. Today's gonna be a hard day for some of you It just is, and I'm sorry. It's going to be hard. Does anybody in here suffer from podophobia? Does anybody know what podophobia is? Podophobia is the fear of feet. If you hate feet or if you're afraid of feet... (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, you might want to just slip out quietly now, because today is going to be challenging for you, and you're going to see why in a moment. You're going to see why, if you're afraid of feet, you want to get out of here real fast. Um, Jesus will be disappointed with you if you leave, but um, that's okay. Um, We've been in a series called Kingdoms. Um, it's, a, it's a lesson on posture, and, and, and over the last few weeks, we've just been looking at some kings and kingdoms, and we've been dealing with the issue of pride. and We've been talking about how God is calling us to, to embrace different postures, different postures that, that really stand in the face of pride and, and that say, hey, we, we're not going to have that. We're not going to be a people that grab a hold of our own little kingdoms or, or, or our own important worlds. We, we're we're going we're gonna to put those kingdoms down and we're going to join our lives to a bigger kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so we've just kind of been hanging out and just talking about a lot of different kingdoms in our lives and, and, and the roles that they take and how oftentimes really they, they take up a lot of room in our lives and, and they distract us from the real purpose of why we're here on this earth and, and, and last week, Kyle, Kyle taught us how, how, how really the kingdom that, that Jesus is bringing into existence, the kingdom that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of, is really, it, it, it's an upside-down kingdom. And, and, and our, our series graphic, I just made a change to it for today, and just kind of inspired by Kyle's talk, and we're going to continue it. And I think this is a little bit more accurate. If you'll switch it for me, Tyler it's 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 an upside down kingdom and i want that to stay there just to remind you that the kingdom that jesus is inviting us into is very different than the kingdoms of this world it is a completely countercultural kingdom that jesus is bringing into existence everything about jesus is countercultural Everything about the Jesus culture that he's inviting you into is so different than what the world has to offer. His kingdom goes in the face of everything our culture says is important. His kingdom is an upside down kingdom. He flips everything on its head. And, and today I believe that God wants to transform our minds. I believe that God wants to transform our minds and he wants to renew our minds and, and, he, and he wants to give us kingdom eyes. I believe that God wants to give us kingdom eyes and he wants to give us kingdom minds and he wants to give us kingdom hearts. I believe that God wants to transform how we view everything. You see, Jesus comes and he enters into earth and he invites us to adapt a new lens, like new glasses, that the way we view the world, we view it through his eyes, through his kingdom, through the upside down kingdom of Jesus Christ. And and, and the goal today And really, the goal of this entire series is that we would renounce all of our allegiances to all the kingdoms of man and all the tiny kingdoms that we have built and we have spent our lives building. And today, together as a community, we say we don't pledge allegiance to a flag or to a man, but we pledge allegiance to a king and a kingdom. That's the goal today, is that we would pledge our lives to the kingdom of Jesus Christ and and this series, is, is, it's, been, it's a, been a lesson on posture. We've talked about different kinds of posture, and we've talked about different ways we can express our posture, and how our posture affects what kingdom we're a part of, and how, 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 it, how it resists pride. And today's posture we're going to embrace is, is, is the posture of service, the posture to serve, not ourselves, but, but others, to serve others. You, you see, the kingdom of man, really the goal of, kingdom of the kingdom of man is to elevate oneself. It's, it's to serve oneself. It's to lifting oneself to the highest position possible. We call it ambition and we call it drive. You know, the, the, the goal of the kingdom of man is to get high. Not, not that kind of high, but to lift yourself high and get as, get as high as you can in the culture and so that you can honor yourself and that you can be honored by others. Our culture says this is what you do if you want to be a person of significance, a a person that that deserves to be honored. You you work hard to get to the front of the line. It's the American way. But the kingdom of God is, is completely different. The kingdom that God is bringing into existence is about getting low, It's about getting low. It's not about getting high. The kingdom of God is about getting low. And and, and our model and our reference point for this is Jesus. He embodied perfectly the posture of service. Over and over again, he is the servant king. Jesus is the servant king. You see, Israel was waiting for a Messiah. and, And Kyle talked about this a little bit last week. You see, they were waiting for a rescuer. Because the Jewish people right now, they, in, in the first century, they are being oppressed. In the time that Jesus lived, they are being oppressed by an evil Roman Empire. And we hear that often, but, but oftentimes we don't, really, we don't really understand how bad they were and how awful of an oppression it was, like what kind of dictatorship was happening. What would happen is the Roman Empire, they would roll into a city and they would, they would take it over and oftentimes they would just crucify an entire city. Men, women, and children, they would throw them up on crosses, and they would put them all along the entrance to the city so that any time anybody walked into the city, they would see what would happen if you resisted the power of the Roman Empire. They said, don't mess with us because we will take your life. Because your life is not your own, your life belongs to us. Your life is now not about yourself, it is about the glory of the Roman Empire, so don't get in our way. Don't get in our way. And so the Isra- Israel is waiting for somebody to come. As Scripture talked about, as the Old Testament talked about, and it said that there will be someone who will rise up and he will deliver you. And he will save you and he will rescue you. And so Israel is waiting in a very real sense. It's not some metaphorical savior. They literally need somebody to come and rescue them. Because they're being murdered, they're being stolen from, they're being raped, they're being pit- they're, everything is being take, taken from them. They need somebody to come and rescue them, so they're desperately waiting. They're desperately searching and they're saying, God, when are you going to send the Messiah? When are you going to send the person you promised us? And God does. He sends Jesus. But the thing about Jesus is that he, he looks different than what they were waiting for. He's, he's very different than what they were expecting. The expect, expectations of the Messiah that they had compared to what Jesus actually was looked very different, and it was very confusing for the people that interacted with Jesus. And they said, there's so many things about you that, that I feel like you could be the Messiah, but, but it, just, it just doesn't make sense. They had expectations of what he would be like and what he would do. But when Jesus enters the scene, he turns all the expectations upside down. He brings in a kingdom that is totally upside down. You see, the king of glory, this Jesus who forsook heaven and entered earth, and he entered the story of man, he enters the story low. Jesus gets low. He lowers himself. He forsakes Heaven. He forsakes his throne and he takes on the skin of man to walk among us in our filth and our messed up ways. He enters the story in the posture of a servant. Jesus is the servant king, and no one expected this. I mean, all throughout the story of Jesus, it, it just turns everything upside down. I mean, he enters the story as a baby born to an unwed teenage mother. I mean, in the eyes of Mary's town, he's practically a bastard child. He is born among animal excrement, being oppressed. He's poor. He has to become an illegal immigrant, running for his life, running from a crazed king. He becomes a working-class carpenter. He's, he's, he's poor, he's, he's just like everybody else struggling to survive because he's being oppressed. And then when he starts his ministry, when he does start his ministry and he steps into his calling, he does everything wrong in the eyes of the world. He does everything wrong in the eyes of the world. And Jesus, the thing that confused people most is that he constantly chose to be with those on the underside of power. He constantly chose to be with the messed up ones. He chose to be with those on the outside of the lines. And it's almost like Jesus had a radar. Like when he entered into a town or, or, or he entered into the room, he would find the, the most messed up person, or the, the person with the most issues, or the person who was hurting the most, and he would just make a beeline for them. And he said, because I came for you. Because the doctor doesn't come for the well. The doctor comes from the sick. And so Jesus is constantly choosing to be with those. He chose to be with prostitutes. He chose to be with drunks. He chose to be with thieves. He chose to be with the outcast. He chose all of those people to be his closest friends. So much so that people called Jesus a drunk. They said, that guy just likes to party. He's not the Messiah. He's always drinking and partying around with people. How could that be the Messiah? Because he chose to be with the people that needed him the most. And people were constantly confused by by his choice of company. If you're going to be the Holy One of God, how could you possibly even talk to those people, let alone touch them? You see, but the first people that he invited into his kingdom weren't the people of high power or, or high regard or people who had something to offer him. In fact, they were the opposite. They had nothing to offer him. They had absolutely nothing to offer. And he said, those are the ones I want. Those are the ones I want to build my kingdom on. Those are the ones that I want to build my church on. Those people who have nothing to offer in the eyes of the world. Those are the ones I came for. Those are the people I'm going to build my kingdom on. Because his kingdom is a kingdom of the least of these. Jesus is constantly choosing to be with the least of these. He's choosing to lower himself and be with those who just have a lot of issues. And folks, let me tell you today that that is fantastic news for us. That is fantastic news for us. Jesus loves these people so much that he even took on the identity of the least of these. He tells this story and he says there's two groups of people. And the first group of people, he, he, he welcomes into his kingdom. He says, come into my kingdom, enter rest. And he says, because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was hungry, you gave me some food. And when I was sick, you came and took care of me. And when I was a prisoner, you came and visited me. So, enter rest. And the first group of people, they're so confused. And they said, Jesus, when were you thirsty? We didn't give you water. I would have surely remembered that. When were you sick? When were you a prisoner? You you have a record? Like, when, when did this happen? We would have remembered this. And he says this, and it's one of the most powerful statements in all of Scripture. He says, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done unto me. So enter my kingdom, because you served me when you served the least of these. And to the other group of people, he says, I don't even know you. Depart from me. Because when I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. And when I was hungry, you ignored me and you walked right by and you didn't give me some food. And when I was sick, you didn't take care of me. You were too busy with your own little kingdom. And when I was in prison, you sure did not care about me. I don't even know you and they were so confused and they're terrified they're like Jesus when were you thirsty if we would have known you were thirsty we would have bring in we would have brought you a whole a whole gallon of water we would have made you a huge feast if we knew you were hungry if you were in prison we would have got you a lawyer we didn't know Jesus and he says whatever you haven't done for the least of me the least of these you haven't done unto me you did not serve me You did not serve the least of these. And Jesus takes the posture of service very seriously. Very seriously. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of service. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of service. And the most glorious being that's ever walked the earth, the God of all creation himself, said that I have not come to be served, but I have come to serve. I have come to serve you. And, and, and all throughout Scripture, Jesus is modeling service. Over and over and over again, he is modeling humility. He is modeling love and care, not for the most high and the glorious, but for the outcasts and for those who have very little to offer. Offer. And you see, our scripture today shows us the heart of Jesus' kingdom. And this is one of the most interesting stories really, really in scripture. And it's going to be John 13, 1 through 17. We're just going to kind of work through it together. We're just going to see this posture that, that Jesus embraces and he sets an example for us to follow. So John 13, starting with verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival... Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night. He's gathering with his best friends. In the morning, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be arrested, and he's going to be beaten, and he's eventually going to be crucified. And so he realizes that his time has come, that the climax of the story is about to happen. And so Jesus, he realizes this, and he's he's eating with his friends And it says this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Man, that is a powerful, powerful statement that that Jesus loved his own to the end. And and so when you hear that, there's, there's two groups of people that can hear that. The first group of people will hear that and say, man, that brings me great comfort because I know that I belong to Jesus. I know that I am one of his own and so Jesus loved me to the end. So for the first group of people, that brings great comfort. But there may be some of you in here that find yourself in the next group of people that say, when I hear that, I am not confident that I can be considered Jesus' own. And so we're just going to go and get this out of the way. We're not going to wait till the end of the service to to, to talk about this. There are two groups of people. There are people who belong to Jesus, and there are people who choose not to belong to Jesus. And so today you have a choice sitting right in front of you. And Jesus is inviting you to come and become his own. Jesus wants to claim you. He wants to have you as a son and a daughter. He wants you to know that he has loved you to the very end. And the thing with Jesus is is there actually isn't an end. That Jesus will love you for eternity. But all you have to do is accept it. So we don't have to wait to the end. We don't have to wait for a a sad song to play for you to get emotional and make a decision. Today, if you want to know that Jesus, if you want to feel that confidence that you are his own and that he loved you to the end, all you have to do today is believe on him. It is so simple. It is one of the most simple and profound things that you will ever do. So don't let a moment go by without saying with great confidence, I belong to Jesus, because he loved you to the end. Continue on in verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So here he just, he just is saying that this was, there's this guy, one of his best friends, Judas, he's about to betray Jesus. He's, he's already betrayed him. He's made a deal for a bag of coins that he's going to turn over Jesus to the religious elite, to the Roman Empire. And, and, and Judas has some issues with money all throughout Scripture. It's not like he just made one bad decision. We see that Judas' heart was kind of in the wrong place all throughout Scripture. And, and so, so they're eating together with the guy that's about to betray Jesus. So there's, there's kind of a lot of drama happening. And then it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 3 is huge. Verse 3 is huge for what is about to happen in the rest of the story, because what's happening here is Jesus is saying that he belongs to the Father, and that, that all things are under his power, and that he came from God, and that he's returning to God. And so Jesus is making this statement about himself, that he is God, that everything is underneath his power. So Jesus is raising himself up. He's raising himself up to a place of glory, and he's making a huge statement about himself. And that's huge. He's, making, he's raising himself up and he says, see who I am. I am God and all things are under my power. And this is huge for what's about to happen because he raises himself up and then he's about to go low. He's about to do what Jesus does best and he's about to choose a posture of service. He says, this is who I am. I am God's and everything belongs to me. I am the son of God, but I'm about to go low. He lifts himself high and then he goes low. Verse four, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. This action, this is the actions of a slave, the actions of a servant. He strips out, off his outer garment and he's wearing really just underwear, of just a very basic thing, almost like we talked about David a few weeks ago and how he, he wore an ephod, how he put on a garment of worship. He took off his kingly robes and he put on the robes of a worshiper. And here Jesus is taking off his best clothes and he's putting on the clothes of a slave. Verse 5 After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You see right here, it's, it's, not, it's not immediately evident to, to the disciples what Jesus is doing. This is, this is Jesus, once again, turning everything upside down. He's turning all the expectations upside down. He's, he's really going against the cultural norms. But, but soon they'll understand what Jesus is doing. And and not only is he setting an example, he's foreshadowing what is yet to come. And he says in verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. No, you should never wash my feet. This is inappropriate, Jesus. You are the Lord. How could you be like a slave and wash my feet? I'll never let this happen. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus comes back with a really intense statement. He says, unless I wash you, you cannot be a part of me. You cannot be a part of my kingdom unless you let me serve you. And I love Simon because he's he's always making mistakes and he's, he's always trying to make up for it. And he says, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. Not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. You guys ever think about that? That that Jesus actually washed Judas' feet. The guy who was about to betray him for some money. One of his best friends, he's about to betray him for a bag of coins. And there's Jesus, the creator of all things, lowering himself to the place of a slave. And he gets down and he serves Judas. He serves Judas. He looks him in the eyes and he, and he begins to wash his filthy feet. He says when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And rightly so. For that is what I am. Jesus makes the declaration that I am Lord. I am God All things are under my power. Only a lunatic could say that. Only a liar could say that. Or only the Lord could say that. And today, ultimately, you have to make the decision, which one do you think Jesus was? Which one do you think Jesus was? He said, you call me Lord, you call me teacher, rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He says, I've set an example for you so that you should do as I have done for you. See what I've done. See how I've lowered myself. And now it's time for you to do the same and you need to wash one another's feet. You need to serve one another. You need to serve your brothers. You need to serve your sisters. You need to serve your neighbors. He said, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, now that I've given you revelation, now that I've revealed these things to you, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus has set this huge example here, and He's He's turned the cultural understanding upside down. He's turned everything upside down. And and it's it's hard for us to kind of understand like how significant the idea of washing feet is. Like in the first century, everybody wore sandals. I mean, there's a lot of people here that wear flip-flops. Who likes to wear flip-flops? I hate shoes, unless they're boots. I have Flip-flops or boots, mostly flip-flops. And so, just like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, you know? Um, and so, everybody in the first century, they're wearing sandals, and they don't have cars, obviously. They, they, their main mode of transportation is walking. And if you were rich, you had some sort of an- animal to maybe carry you. So, you can picture what the roads are like if they're being populated by animals. There is just animal excrement everywhere, and for a first century Jew to, to have to walk everywhere and then the disciples themselves, all they do is travel. They don't even have a place to lay their head. They're always on the move. Jesus is always making his kingdom known. And so, so in the first century, everybody's feet were just nasty. You, you might think your feet are nasty, but compared to the disciples, you're not even close. I mean, just go, go walk around in our garden outside that we just planted. There's, there's, like, elephant poop and, like, giraffe poop. We got all this compost from the zoo. If you want to know what, what, the, what the disciples' feet look like, just go tromp around in our garden. Don't do that because we'll be mad at you, actually. <laughs> it's just an example. But their feet were filthy. And so when you would enter into a house, the last thing you want to do is, is tromp your, your animal poo feet all over somebody's nice rug, right? And so they would have to wash their feet. But this was such a gross experience that that most people had to wash their own feet because it didn't make sense to make somebody else do that because it was the lowest of lows. Maybe a slave would do it. It It was the activity of a slave. Most servants wouldn't even have to do it. Jewish servants, they didn't have to do that. It was too low. So most people just washed their own feet. But here's Jesus coming in and he says, I need to do something. I need to serve you. I, I, I need to do this. And he takes off his clothes and he puts on the garment of a slave. And he kneels down and he lowers himself and he begins to wash his best friend's feet. And he, and he does it as an example for them. And he says, I'm setting, I'm setting an example for you because I want you to be my people. I'm leaving soon. I'm about to go somewhere, I'm about to leave you, and I've spent the last three years teaching you, I've been telling you about my kingdom, and I've been trying to show you what it's about. This is one of the last actions Jesus does before he goes to the cross, and we've talked about this before, there's a significant thing about last words. Like if you knew you were going to die today, you would take great care in what you said to the people that you loved. And Jesus finds himself in this place, and these are some of the last moments They just took communion, and he just just told them what he's doing in the earth. And now he's setting an example for them. And he lowers himself, and he begins to wash their filthy feet. And he says, this is what I want you to be like. This is the kind of follower I want you to be. I want you to see this example, and I want you to go. I want you to go, and I want you to serve others. I want you to serve your neighbors. Jesus says, you want to be a part of my kingdom? Do you really want to be a part of my kingdom? Then this is the posture you have to adopt. Everybody wants to be raised to a place of glory. There's a story in scripture where there's some of Jesus' inner circle, the sons of Zebedee. And, and they bring their mom, which is kind of embarrassing. They, they come to Jesus and, and their mom says, Jesus, I want you to put my boys on your right and your left when you go to heaven. When you go to your kingdom, I want you to make them your right-hand men. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing because, I mean, come on, guys. Like, you're grown men. You're going to bring your mom to talk to Jesus about getting a promotion? Like, it's, it's kind of lame. And so, and Jesus says, oh, do you, do you really think you could, you could drink from my cup? Do you really think you could drink from my cup? Do you really think you could embrace the posture that I'm going to make you embrace? And they say, oh, Jesus, we will, we, we will drink from your cup. We'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, okay, you're going to drink from my cup. You're going to drink from my cup, meaning that you are going to follow my footsteps and your lives are going to be lost for the sake of my cause, for the sake of my kingdom. But it's not my right to give you the right or the left, but you will drink from my cup. Everybody wants to be raised to a position of honor, but are you really willing to drink from the cup, the cup of suffering? The cup of servanthood. Because that's what Jesus is calling you to. He's calling you to serve when it's uncomfortable. He's calling you to wash the feet of those that you don't want to serve. Those that you, that are outcast, the, the people that you at least want to touch. He's calling you to serve them. He's calling you to serve and love your neighbor. And we all know this command, right? You've all heard that. You know, like you learn it as a little kid. You, you need to love your neighbor. But we rarely ask the question, who is our neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And I I believe God is is wanting to change our concept, our concept of neighbor. I, I think he's wanting to shift how we view neighbor. I believe that God is calling us to love our neighbors and not just the people that live on our street, Not just the people that live next to us, but I believe that God is changing the concept of neighbor, and we have neighbors, we have brothers and sisters all over this world and all over this city, people that you would never actually really come in contact with, not in a significant way. But Jesus is calling you to serve them, to maybe cross your comfort lines, maybe go on the other side of the tracks and begin to serve people that don't look like you, people who don't have values like you, people who stand in the face of everything you believe in. God is calling you to go to that place, to those people and to serve them, to lower yourself and take a low position like Jesus. So I believe your neighbor If you want to know who your neighbor is, and you want to know who your neighbor that you're supposed to love, just think back to what Jesus said about the least of these. I believe that your neighbor, your primary neighbor that you are called to love is whoever fits into the category of the least of these. And and so think about it. In our society, in our culture, in your world, who are the least of these? Who are those who are on the underside of power? Who are those who are on the outside of the lines? Just, just take a moment and just think about that. Who are the least of these in your life? In our churched, whitewashed society, who are the least of these? And, and then you have to start to ask your question, how can I serve them? How can I wash their feet? Maybe not in a physical, real way, but, but how can you serve them? How can you lower yourself like Jesus? And how can you do something that lets them know that you love them and that there's a creator and there's a God that loves them above all else? And the thing is, I can't answer that question for you. I don't, I don't know how you're going to serve your neighbor. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know who your neighbors are. How are you going to serve them? You have to be creative. I believe that the earth is crying out for the people of God to embrace and engage their imagination. I am constantly, constantly shocked by the lack of imagination in our world. I mean, we see our leaders, some of the most strong and brightest people facing some of the most biggest problems in the world. We see chemical weapons happening and all these things happening, and they have no imagination. The only thing they can come up with is, we'll drop more bombs, and it makes me just I'm just like, where is the imagination? God created us to create. He created us to solve problems, and we have to begin to engage our imaginations, because if we don't, we're literally just gonna watch a world pass us by and die. We have to begin to engage our imaginations and our creativity, our God-given gift, our God-given gift of creativity to love this world. Because the same old, same old, it's not working, folks. It is not working. And so I don't know how to answer that question for you. But I believe that there's an answer inside of you and it's just waiting to be birthed. It's waiting to be birthed inside of you. God is desperate to birth a new vision in you. There are so many problems facing our world. There are so many different issues facing our world. But within each one of you, you all have an answer to a different problem. You've all been given gifts, you've all been given talents, you've all been given ideas, different from one another, and God is desperately wanting you to not be afraid, and he's wanting you to step out and engage your creativity and your God-given ideas and change this world. But you're not going to do it by, by seeking the highest places. You're not going to do it by, by running to the front of the line. You're going to do it by getting low, being like Jesus and lowering yourself like a slave. Scott, will you come up here, bud? Jesus, as he begins to, to wash his friend's feet, he says, you're, you're, you're not going to understand what I'm doing right now. Just have a seat, bud. So he says that Jesus took water, and he took his disciples' feet, we're going to put them in this turkey pan, whatever this is, and he begins to just wash his disciples' feet. And he begins to just wash them off, and he said, right now you're not going to understand What I'm doing. But what he's doing right now is he's he's, he's setting an example for for us. He's setting us an example for us to lower ourselves and to begin to serve people. He's, He's taking off his royal garments and he's lowering himself and he's putting on the garments of a slave. But he's also foreshadowing here because another thing that happened to slaves in the Roman Empire is that they got crucified. Slaves were terrified of being crucified because it was reserved to keep them in line. Like Roman citizens, they were, not, they were not crucified. And so when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet and he's taking water and he's pouring it over their feet and he's washing their stuff off, and he's saying, I'm serving you. I'm about to go to the cross for you. He's making a huge statement. He says, I'm becoming a slave for you, and I'm about to die a slave's death so that you can know life. And In a few minutes, we're going to do this. We're going to do just what I did for Scott here, and thanks. I had multiple people tell me no before Scott said yes, that he would come up here and let me wash his feet. And so what? You can go. That was just the example. And then when you're done, you're going to just pour the water in here. I'm going to explain it a little bit in a minute. But when Jesus, he, he embraces the, the posture of a slave and he's foreshadowing the cross. He's taking on the posture of a slave and he's about to die a slave's death. It's a great threat to a slave. And so for Jesus to take on this posture, it's turning everything upside down. He's saying, my kingdom is, is different than every other kingdom that's ever been. And it's like Philippians 2 says in verse 5, he says, Have this, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. You see, guys, Jesus served us in the ultimate way. He's not only setting us an example for us here to serve others like he served us, but he's showing us that that he served us in the ultimate way, that when we had a debt that we could not pay, Scripture tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and there was no hope for us. We were separated from God because of our sin and our choices. No hope. But then Jesus, in his great love and mercy, he invades the earth, and he takes on the form of a slave. He forsakes heaven so that we could know him. And that's ultimately what this is about. He says, I am washing you clean. You are clean because of me. You are clean. And now that you know that, it's time for you to go out and tell others. Guys, if you're just here so you can get into heaven, if that's why you're here, if that's why you follow Jesus, just so you can make it to heaven, you're missing the point. You're absolutely missing the point. God has saved you not just so that you could just live your little life, and then go live in a mansion somewhere someday. God has saved you so that you can make much of him and tell others about him and make much of his kingdom. And so Jesus is inviting us to kill our little kingdoms and to join his kingdom. But his kingdom is hard. The words of Jesus are difficult. He's always asking us to do incredibly difficult things. And and I get so frustrated because we're often trying to, we're trying to, explain away Jesus' words because they're so difficult and they certainly don't make sense in 2014. They don't make sense at all. It's too hard and we say, oh, well, well, Jesus said this, but really he he probably meant something like this and we begin to explain it away because Jesus' teachings are so hard. Every time he's teaching, people are like, that's too hard. You're asking too much of me. I can't do that. I mean, Jesus always wants us to look different. He's saying when you, when you come into a place, choose the, the, the lowest seat. Choose the worst seat in the place. When you have a party, don't invite your friends. Don't invite those of great honor. I want you to invite those on the outside. I want you to invite the homeless. I want you to invite the dirty. I want you to invite the left out. He tells us not to have two coats. He says only have one coat. If you have more than one coat, you need to give a coat away to somebody who needs it. Gosh, and I like coats. I, I have multiple coats, and that's, I was getting gassed the other day, and it was raining. I was at a 7-Eleven downtown, and this, this girl comes up to me. She was a young African-American woman, and she was about five months pregnant. She walked up to me, and she asked if, if I had any change, and she goes, I'm, I'm pregnant, and I, I really don't have anywhere to go, and, and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, like, my heart was just, like, broken, and so I was just like, oh. And I just gave her all the cash on me. It wasn't much, probably 10 bucks. I was just like, here, take it. Dear God, just take my money. I wish I could do more for you. And it was raining. And, I, and any, any time I meet somebody who's asked me for, for something, even if I don't have any money to give them, I just try to give them the dignity of being a human being. And I try to make eye contact. And I at least try to get their name and say, hey, I'm sorry. I don't have anything. What's your name? It's nice to meet you, man. I hope things go better. It's that's, that's something I try to do. I don't always get to do it. But I, I just try to engage them as a person. And so I said, hey, what's your name? And um, Gosh, I can't remember her name right now, but um, I'll never forget her though. And I was just like, try to stay dry out there because it was raining. And she goes, hey, do you, do you have a coat or anything I could cover up with? And I was like, oh, I don't, and I looked in the back of my car and I had just moved and I literally had my two coats sitting in the back of the car and they're my two favorite coats. I only have two coats and I like both of them so much. And I was just like, ugh, I don't want to give her one of these coats. Like, these are my favorite coats. And I was just like, um, no, I'll try to find something else. And immediately, it was like the Holy Spirit. I, I remembered the scripture that said, don't have two coats. What do you need two coats for? Give one away. And it's like I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit so fast. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, God, you're, I'm so selfish. Here's this girl. She's about to have a baby, and She's homeless she literally doesn't have anything and she just needs a coat and here i have two but i'm holding on to my possessions so tightly it just like that i realized what i was doing and i was just like yeah i've got two coats which one do you want and she's like oh I'll take the green one and i was like okay <laughs> that's one are you sure you don't want the blue one cuz i like the green one and i was just like here's an umbrella and i literally just start handing her things out of my car cuz i just felt so guilty And I got in my car and I just wept for about a half hour. I'm not kidding, I felt so guilty and so dirty. Because I realized that I had embraced a different kingdom. I had embraced a different kind of kingdom than the one that Jesus was trying to build. The one that Jesus was calling me into, the one that Jesus was saying, hey, let go of all that stuff because ultimately it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. None of your education matters. None of all your dreams and all those things of about being honored and receiving glory, none of that matters. I'm calling you to get low. I'm calling you to serve the least of these. I'm calling you to wash the dirty feet of my beloved. So as a church and as a community, my hope for us is that we stop explaining away the words of Jesus and together we enter in and we struggle. And we say, this is hard. This is incredibly hard. And I don't know what it looks like to get low today. I don't know what this looks like, how do I can get low and serve my neighbors. But together we can figure it out. Together we can figure it out. Let's embrace the kingdom of God. And as the band comes, we're about to invite you into an Experience. One that's surely going to be uncomfortable for a lot of you. I don't know if you guys have grown up in the church or if you've ever experienced this, but it's kind of an old-timey thing. We're having a feet-washing service. And there are stations set up, and there are water, and there, there are trays, and there are buckets, and there are towels. And so I want to challenge you today. I know some of you are thinking... I gotta get out of here. Like I'm just gonna like squeeze out the back, no one will notice. If you do that, that's fine. Jesus still loves you and he's stoked on you and well pleased with you. I promise. And we won't we won't be upset at you either. But I want you guys to stretch yourself today. I want you to experience something that Jesus wanted us to do. He set an example for us and he says, I've come to serve you, and I want you to serve one another. I want you to love. Your brothers and sisters. And folks, if we can't even serve the people in this room, our family, our church family, if we can't even serve one another, how would we ever hope to serve the city of Jacksonville? So, what's gonna happen? There are four stations two in the back, two here. I want you guys to get in lines. You're not gonna have partners, and how it's gonna work is the first person in the line is gonna sit down. You're gonna put your feet in this tray right here. And, and the next person in the line is going to come. They're going to take the water. And they're just going to begin to pour some water on your feet. You don't even have to touch the other person's feet if you want. If you don't want to, it's up to you. Do what you want. Just pour some water on their feet. Wash their feet. Then take their feet. and Then begin to dry them off. Just dry them off. And then when you're done with the water, dump it out into the bucket. So we're not double dipping on gross feet water. and then dry it. That person will then get up, go back to their seat. The person who just washed the feet will then take the, the spot in the seat. And the next person will come up and wash their feet. So the first person that sits in the chair, um, you're just going to get your feet washed. And, and unless you want to get back in line so you can actually do some serving. Um, so that's just how it's going to have to work. So there's going to be lines, and just do that. Dump the water into the buckets. You don't have to use a lot of water. And the reason that we're doing that is it's just a symbolic a symbolic statement that I'm going to serve you, my brother and my sister. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to get low, and I'm committing to do life with you. And, and not only is it us accepting the example that Jesus set for us and we're serving one another, but as somebody washes your feet, I want you to picture Jesus watching your feet, Jesus taking on the, the, the robes of a slave in cleansing you, serving you. Because ultimately that's why Jesus came, is he came to serve you. And today I talked a lot about people on the outside and, and outcasts and people with issues. And the truth is, that's all us. We are all on the outside. We were all at the outside at one point. And I know y'all got issues in here. I know you guys aren't perfect. I'm sure not. So, The band's going to play a song, and you're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and be brave. And so we can do this. We'll get through this. You'll get to have lunch in a little while. But my prayer is that this will be an experience that we will not forget as a community and as a family. And so I invite you to come be a part of this. No pressure. We love you. I'm going to pray real fast. And then um, whoever the first brave person is, um, I'm going to come shake your hand and give you a hug afterwards. So let's pray. Father, I'll literally never understand how you love us so much. It'll never make sense to me. How you left your throne in heaven, and you just became a helpless baby, and that you lived in some of the most difficult times in the earth, and that you were oppressed and you suffered for us, for nobody else but us, that you suffered for the people in this room so that we could know life, and that we wouldn't have to suffer I'll never understand why you love me the way you do. But I'm so thankful that you do. I don't know why you would want people like us to be sons and daughters of yours. I don't know why you would choose us to represent you in the earth. Sometimes we're so bad at it. But today, Father, as we come and as we wash our brothers and sisters' feet, we repent We repent of all the kingdoms that we've pledged allegiance to, lesser kingdoms, lesser loves. We say we want to be like you. We want to get low. So help us. And as we get our feet washed today, Father, may it be a spiritual moment where we see you lowering yourself and serving us when we didn't deserve it. Oh, we love you. Oh, we make much of you. We lower ourselves and we lift you high. We lift you high in this place. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.